amount of talking with someone who disagrees. All of the analytics say you like it when we have these conversations. So we're going to do it again with Mr. Kevin Henson. We're going to do that for most or maybe all of today's Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. Welcome into this edition of the Corey Truax Show. It is good to have you with us on Christian Talk 660 or if you're listening over at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Anchor, any of those places, we are glad you are here. Happy first week of school to all of you who just finished up. If you are listening live on Saturday morning on Christian Talk 660, hope it was a good week for everybody getting back into the rhythm of school. Uh, we, I've noticed uh, all over my podcast numbers that you like it when we talk to people who disagree. And so we're going to do that again, uh, modeling what it's like to have a conversation with someone you don't agree with, but doing it healthily, like adults, because we have too little of that in the culture. Uh, so we're going to do that today with someone I've met through the radio show, Mr. Kevin Henson. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your willingness to talk to a, uh, uh, a novice. <laughs> <laughs> For real, though, on, out here in the culture, these conversations never happen. No, and I think it's uh, one thing I've noticed is it's it, I'm the huge minority in this in South Carolina. Even though I grew up here, to have a more progressive, uh, liberal slant, I think it's uh, I get myself in a lot of trouble sometimes. So it's kind of nice to have people that'll give you the a voice, and and that's what I noticed. Uh, you know, if you call into a station or something, usually you'll get a quick answer. They'll get rid of you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because they don't want to really engage, that doesn't go along with their story. So. No. People, but, but you've been awfully good to do appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. People genuinely do react to things they disagree with. Uh, there's, there's studies on this. Heart rate goes up. They start to sweat. They actually freak out physically when they hear something they disagree with. And I want to put those things out there so people can just, you're okay. You yeah. can hear an idea you don't agree with. And you can just, that's the people used to do it all the time. Yeah. When you were growing up, people were better at this, were they not? Yeah, we didn't have the media that we do today. So, uh, you know, I would hear my relatives fighting over George Wallace and Richard Nixon. And uh, I, I remember them uh, fighting over Kennedy or Goldwater uh, or Johnson, I think was the one he ran against. Uh, uh, Nixon was against Kennedy, of course. But I, I would hear it all the time. It would get animated occasionally. But uh, most of the time in the South, people were pretty much on the same page. Yeah. And is it, is it weird being basically in this state? you're sort of politically forgotten. Like, no one's looking for your vote. No one is advertising to you. Is that a weird situation to be in? Uh, you mean from being a progressive? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I don't remember the last time a vote counted, really, in uh, South Carolina. But one thing that I have, I have to admit that I voted about 75% of the time I vote Republican. Trey Gowdy's a great guy to me. Cool. Uh, when he... Uh, I've been to some of his uh, talking engagements, and uh, when you ask him what he sees as his number one priority, he always says con constituency services. I think that's great. And, and, you know, I don't have to agree with everybody. One of the problems on the Democrat side is they never produce decent candidates. Yeah. And that, that bothers me some. Um, this Lee Smith ran recently uh, for Gowdy's seat, and, you know, she, she shows up at one of the, uh, and I don't want to, uh, uh, impugn anybody, but sure. she did show up at a, uh, uh, a debate basically like she just walked out of the yard. Uh, and so I thought yeah. that was ridiculous. No, uh, we know a little bit how you feel. I mean, I, 
Republican slate of candidates for a lot of times to me are really disappointing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is about politics. They seem to dr- it seems to draw some of the worst personalities among us. Yeah. Sometimes the best. There are folks I love who are in politics, actually elected officials. But when you look at the slate of candidates often, it's, it's kind of depressing. Oh, it is. So to the actual issues, I think one of the places we actually disagree is on health care policy. And so I want to give you what I call my construction. Here's what I think. And you tell me why you think I'm wrong okay. on, on healthcare policy. That's good. Um, so I've, I would totally admit the American system has flaws, quite a few. Of all the systems in the world, it's my favorite. I think we have the best one. And that the way that we would improve it is by making it more free. Uh, so fewer regulations, fewer taxes, uh, that we would uh, separate insurance policies from uh, employers and, and put them with people instead. And so when I look at our system, I, I want it more capitalist, not less, and that would make it better. But otherwise, I, I think it's a great system. It could be better, but it's great. So when you hear that, your reaction is? I think uh, one thing that I think there's a misunderstanding on both sides is, and I think it goes to the intent of debate. You know, uh, I think it's easy to, to look at each other and not give uh, the other guy the credit for his intent is good. I think that's especially true on the uh, religion and things like that, you know, and, and I look at the health care and um, a real basic understanding of it is, in my opinion, uh, you know, I want everybody to have health care and I can talk about the specifics, but another thing that I can't wrap my arms around is why the evangelical group doesn't you know, they, and I know that's not the case, but they don't don't seem to care about the guy, you know, in West Greenville that can't get off the sidewalk. So uh, I, I guess that's my uh, misunderstanding. Oh, that's a two-part that. answer. So yeah. one is from a uh, from the personal perspective, you're probably right. Uh, I think American evangelical evangelicalism largely uh, doesn't do a great job of seeing social problems. Uh, we're fairly insular. Not all of us, but I think you're right. Largely, Christianity is insular. Uh, We're supposed to care about our families first and then the church family, but we are supposed to care about the poor and the oppressed, and the American church has done a bad job of it on a personal level. But then just on a theological level, here's how we see that. Uh, We we would see that the the job of helping that person is some person's. Now, I would totally, um, so not the government's. I totally acknowledge, well, then churches do more, give more. Be more generous. And there are those that, that do uh, that, that. do that. It's just not enough. Yeah. So I think the, um, I don't think there's a, there's a hypocrisy there, but there's not an illogic. Yeah. There's an, there, there, the logic is straight. Well, humans, just people should help that person, not the government. But then there's an hypocrisy in that, well, but not me. Yeah. I, I mean people, but not me. I'm not people. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what oh, I mean? yeah. I definitely. And, and one of my, I, the thing I do is I re, when I watch old movies, I remember uh, lines in them, and there's a line in Godfather 2. I don't know if you, you probably too. I love Godfather 2. <laughs> well, you know, Michael Corleone is talking to Senator Geary, and he, and Geary goes through a thing about how the Corleones are scumbags, and, and uh, uh, Michael Corleone looks at him and says, uh, Let's be honest, Senator. We're both part of the same hypocrisy. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a great line. We, we all have our uh, areas of hypocrisy. Absolutely. Also from an evangelical standpoint, I look at all of the systems and I'm trying to find the one that's best for the most people. And so totally acknowledging there's problems in this one, I then look at a British system. Mm-hmm. I then look at some of the others and go, yeah, ours is broken. But man, that one's more broken. Mm-hmm. And the one that's best for the most people is going to be the one that's, that's more capitalist, that's more free. 
And so I think it's the evangelical thought as well is uh, we do maybe a poor job of acknowledging the problems that exist, mm-hmm. but then just looking at other systems and going, that's even worse. I, mean, yeah. I look at the British system and some of the older folks that are just straight up told no, just no, you don't get a hip, a hip replacement. It's going to cause, it's going to cost us this much. You're at a point in life that you're never going to be able to pay it back in mm-hmm. your social giving. So just no. Yeah. And so those old folks have to go to other places in Europe or America. They just straight tell them no. In America, we don't tell you no. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure that, uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I, and, and I trust you on the British system. I know that, uh, in America, uh, uh, and I, I watched this um, lady from Canada, Dr. Danielle Martin. I don't know. If, do you know of her? It sounds super familiar for yeah, some reason. She was a, she's a Canadian doctor, but she's also a policy uh, expert as well. And she uh, testified before the U.S. Senate. And, uh, you know, she made some very good points. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of hers. And, uh, you know, I wasn't at the time, but Bernie Sanders seems to like he's an extreme I could live with versus what we've got now. But, uh, you know, she she says that, uh, uh, I guess Senator Burr asked her about uh, the people that are uh, uh, dropping off the uh, the map in Canada but are on a waiting list and do they die? Uh, and she said she didn't know, which was honest, but she said she knows that there, uh, the statistics show there are 45,000 a year that die because they don't have health care to go to the doctor. You mean here in the States? Yeah, here in yeah. the States, yeah. I, I would always ask this question of someone who wants a more robust government response to healthcare. Mm-hmm. It is going to be expensive. Yep. So how, when you think through the literally trillions that it would take over 10 years, how do you think we go about that? How do we go about raising that trillions of dollars? I think that's a very good point, a good question. I think one thing that hurts our system is it's multi-tiered. I mean, if you look at 65-year-olds, which I'm closing in on it, it's Medicare. And, you know, you can't find... Uh, I get tickled when I hear these old guys say, you know, uh, universal health care, that's a socialist. And I'm thinking, you you don't ever worry about that when you go to the doctor if you're over 65. You're right. And so, you know, it's going to be, you know, part of the problem is the cost per patient in the U.S. is is much higher than anybody else. So there are levels there, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's tough to have it both ways. You can't live in a capitalist society and not understand that people are profit-driven. Uh, one thing I looked at, which, you know, people think maybe doctors make too much money, I really don't feel that way. You know, where I think the money's being uh, squandered is on the uh, executive suite at hospitals. I mean, you look, there's some of these guys, uh, I don't know where, Rorden. I actually tried to look it up online before I came. There are guys out there making 18 to 20 million a year, nonprofit hospitals. I suspect our, so I don't think it's the executive compensation, because when you start getting into these budgets, some of them don't, they don't get towards billion, or they're getting into hundreds of millions. What they're giving to the executives pales in comparison to the administrative cost. And a lot of that's government cost. Yeah. So it's uh, whatever regulations they have on, uh, but care, then also carrying certain, certain kinds of insurance you have to carry, not just malpractice, but other insurances, that costs too much. And then there is the administrative cost of dealing with so many different insurance companies that also deal with employers, and that takes this manpower. And you've been in, you're in business forever. Oh, yeah. The most export, expensive resource for any business is humans. Oh yeah. We're expensive to, to employ. And so there's all these layers between the doctor and the patient, and that's where all the money gets spent. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it is hard. I would imagine if we ever tried to do something like that, we have to bring the cost down uh, 
precipitously because it's just so expensive that, that what healthcare is. The other point I wanted to make on this was innovation. One of the reasons I love our system is the profit motive is what makes us come up with Lipitor. We're the ones that come up with all these cool drugs. And so if you take away the... Are, are you nervous that t uh, having a more government-inflated system would take away the incentive for innovation? I think that's possible. There are probably a lot of people. I know investors are always seeking uh, a good biotech stock. I've had several friends that have lost a ton of money because most drugs never make it to market. Uh, the uh, uh, congressman up in New York is in trouble right now because of that. He, you know, he, he had the insider trading, and uh, he's probably going to get in a lot of trouble, or at least his friends are. I don't think he actually dumped the stock. Um, you know who Jonas Salk is, right? That one does not sound familiar. Okay, that's the guy that invented the polio vaccine. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. You know how much he made on it? Can't imagine. Zero. He did not want the patent rights or anything else to it. Now, polio at the time was a horrible yeah. ailment. Ruin your, you, your life or killed you. Exactly. And uh, so, you know, I wish more people were like that. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I, of course, wish that. I know that this history of mankind has not been that way, that we need profit motive for it to work. Um, all right, so we're probably going to move off this. When we come back from this break, we're going to get into maybe some religious liberty talk, maybe talk about the Russia investigation. A lot more to do. We'll do that when we come back with Kevin Henson on The Corey Truax Show. Welcome back into the Corey Truax Show. Glad you stuck with us. Get the show on demand and connect to me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there in every episode of the show for the last three years. It's out there on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, lots of other places to get the show. I hope that you will and tell someone about it. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Kevin Henson. Hello, Corey. Thank you so much. I'm glad you gave us some time for this uh, for this weekend. Now, next, next topic here, let's go to, I want to get into religious liberty. There were two big stories in the last two weeks. One was the Masterpiece Cake Shop guy, uh, Jack Phillips, who yep. is being, uh, I, I will use neutral language. I was about to say attacked, but that's not fair. He is being uh, assessed damages by the Colorado Human Rights Commission okay. for declining to bake a cake for a transgender person who wanted pink on the inside, blue on the outside. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what he wanted. And then there was a case of the, the Satanists who are bringing their Baphomet statue to Arkansas. I don't know if you saw this story. We, uh, go ahead. Their, I don't their thing is this, that there's a Ten Commandments monument on the State House grounds in Arkansas. And so if you get to have a Ten Commandments thing, you've got to have a Baphomet statue. Okay, so of the two things, the, the Baphomet statue, the Satanist statue, or the Jack Phillips case, which one is more interesting to you? Uh more interesting is uh, probably the uh, uh, statue, I would say. Let's but start. yeah, it's uh, I, if I understand it right, yeah. there's a guy coming in, and and what is what is his statue? So his is Baphomet is the um, the weird looking. It's got a goat head, and it has angel wings and a oh, human yeah. body. It's supposed to be the Satan incarnate. Satanists actually gotcha. say it's supposed to be the devil. It's what gotcha. Satan might look like. Yeah. And so I think they're just making a point. I don't even think they yeah. mean it. They just are, well, the, the Christians have their Ten Commandments, so we get our Satan statue. <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I just think some things are just plain old ridiculous. Now, I think the lady, uh, the county clerk that wouldn't issue the marriage license. Good one. In Kentucky. Yeah, in Kentucky. I think, uh, I think if you're a government agency, you can't discriminate legally. Uh, the guy that made the cake, you know, I, I, it's his 
business. I mean, if he doesn't want to make that particular kind of cake, uh, God bless him. But I, I think it was silly. So your distinction for Kim Davis yeah. in Kentucky and Jack Phillips in Colorado is one works for the government, one doesn't. Exactly. And so when you work for the government, you've got to do what the government does. Exactly. They, okay. And it's legal. So let me, let me ask this clarifying question. So if Kim Davis just doesn't want her signature on it, and she can provide to you someone else in the government to come provide it. Would you be with, okay with Kim Davis saying, I'm not going to do this for you. The government's going to, but I'm out. I'm going to walk away. Someone else can serve that person. Uh, I would have to think about that a okay. while. If it's her job to do that, and uh, then I say she has I, – I, I tell you, I see the crux of the uh, argument there is – from both sides, you know, your side, which I totally respect, sees yourself as protecting an institution, which is re religious freedom. From my side, I say, you know, that's that's the law. I'm protecting that individual. So we both have great intent. So, uh, I, but I think uh, I would have to think about that a lot. I think the Ten Commandments. Uh, gosh, we've we've seen that. I think that was a Roy Moore issue down in Alabama, and. You know, I, I even called into one of your colleagues' shows one time, and they said, uh, uh, do you disagree basically with something about having a uh, Christian leader? And my point is I don't want a leader with any religion. You know, now that's not realistic. But uh, I, I would prefer to not have any religion so we keep all religions free. For the Ten Commandments part, I, know, I do want to come back to Kim Davis okay. in Kentucky for a sec. But for Ten Commandments, Ben Franklin talked about how the United States had a civil religion. What he meant there was not Christianity. What he meant was the majority of people here practice Christianity, not necessarily the real one, not even the biblical one, but this uh, this tissue culturally that we all have the same language, and it, it, a lot of, that included Christianity. And so the Ten Commandments to me are certainly a religious symbol, but they're first a Jewish symbol. They were a Christian symbol. They're two different religions. And they were an underpinning for Western culture totally. So, like, even the it wasn't just about faith. That They underpin our laws, right? I mean, we, Absolutely. You know, we, we have no, don't steal and don't kill and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, even vast majority of Americans would still say don't commit adultery. And we would say jealousy is a bad thing, right? Yeah. And so I, I, I want the Ten Commandments to be able to stay up primarily not as religious liberty as just a, a symbol of, well, where'd your laws come from? Culturally, where'd you come? Well, a lot of it came from the Ten Commandments. That was kind of where we started. Uh, for Kim Davis, um, I would love a a way to give Christian employees a way to keep their jobs and not have to serve situations that violate their conscience. I would want sure. that for Muslim people. I would want that for anybody. Like for even the laws out there, there's some laws out there for um, pharmacists who don't want to give to serve the abortion pill. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want I want that law that that pharmacists can keep their job, mm -hmm. but not fulfill that order. Is that at least a reasonable thing to you to to want people to be they can work and find some other way for that person to be served? Yeah, and if I were dealing with it on a personal level, I would have told Kim to call her assistant and have her assistant sign. Me that. too. I mean, you just you want to cut to the chase. Uh, she was a not a great one to fight that battle because she had a lot of skeletons in her closet, and it's like you know. Uh, it's funny you bring that up. I, I saw an interview with, uh, is it Mark Burns, the pastor in Easley? That's him. Yeah, I saw him doing an interview with uh, Jordan Klepper, which is a comedian. It's sad, but I get as much 
of my news and this type of information off Comedy Central <laughs> as I do CNN or actually my favorite's NBC. But uh, uh, yeah, he was doing an interview with uh, Mark and he, Mark, of course, is back there defending Trump in a big way. And he said, you know, we think of marriage as one guy and, and one, one man and one woman. And Clapper says, or uh, one man and three women. And, and the guy said, no, one man what <laughs> and he sort of struggles with it there because you know his the buddy he's uh defending has had three women yes and uh so i but he they were just picking on him i i i uh i'm not sure where i was going with no, that but well, uh mark, it, yeah. i'll call him out personally yeah mark mark burns is a problem yeah he's not a thinker yeah um this quote church and easily is a television ministry. Oh, is that it's, it? It's barely. It's not really a thing. Wow. The guy ran for Congress. I saw that in the wrong district. His <laughs> his name was on the ballot in the, in the fourth district. He I lives in the that. third. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was running for Trey Gowdy's seat. He doesn't even live there. And so, um, there's, I have a lot of problems with that guy. Oh yeah. Um, and I, and sometimes if you're gonna put your if you're gonna put yourself out there in the political world mm -hmm. and pretend you know what you're talking about, sometimes there's gonna be consequences. Someone might make fun of you. Oh yeah. And so uh, I know this. I. I've been the the victim of that in some ways. If you're going to put yourself out there, yeah. you're, you're going to get some criticism. So I can't feel a ton of sorrow for him. Oh yeah. Um. So for Jack, for in general, Jack Phillips, who's the Colorado baker, but then also Barry Nell Stutzman. She's the florist in Washington who declined to do gay wedding flowers. Yeah. Uh, there's the photographer in Arizona. Same thing. I'll I will take pictures of lots of things, but not at a gay wedding. Mm -hmm. Do you have an allowance? in your head in the law that says this person this christian because it violates their conscience can say no i can't be part of that gay wedding yeah i think uh the analogy i make which is probably not a complete uh accurately uh, uh you know they're not apples to apples but during the uh, civil rights movement back in the 60s it would be to me like going into one restaurant and saying uh you can only be whites only and i mean you, you're allowed to be whites only, but the other guy's not, you know, he's got to abide by the law, which is to allow everybody. Let me see if I can change your mind. And if not, okay. that's fine. No, but, that's fine. Yeah. So here is why I think there's a distinction. The photographer, the uh, florist, the whatever in the wedding business, they are not in the wedding business. They're in a different kind of photographers do other things besides weddings. Right. Sure. And, uh, and bakers and all that. They'll serve anybody. As in, this gay couple wants to come into my store, buy a cake, buy some cupcakes. This gay couple wants to come in and buy some flowers. They can do that. Uh, they want me to come and take pictures of their graduation. I am going to serve that gay couple. It is specified. Just the wedding. It's not that I'm declining you service. I'm declining your wedding service. And that's not a person. Mm -hmm. A wedding is a thing, not a person. Does that change your mind at all recently? I think it softens it a little bit. I, I see where you're coming from more, and I can accept that. Um, again, it's just a, a lot to do about nothing because these guys are going to court to settle something they could have done personally. Just or sh go, and should have done personally. And done personally. Just go somewhere else and, and you know, uh, uh, be done with it. But uh, everyone wants to litigate. Everyone wants to make a point of it. Everyone wants it to be a Supreme Court case. And... Uh, I guess it's part of a democracy, and a, uh, we have to do it, but it doesn't make sense. To I think me. a lot of folks like the thrill of the fight. I think they do. And I used to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I'm so done with fighting. I'm exhausted <laughs> of I know. fighting. I know. And those the folks that go out and pick, they pick these fights. You know, yeah, this oh yeah. this oh last yeah. thing that happened with Jack Phillips, he's being targeted. I would even say he's being harassed. The, they, that transgender person, on purpose, 
decide I'm going to call him. I'm going to make him say no. Yeah. That's not fair. It's not just being a decent human being would say, I'm going to leave him alone. Yeah, you know? I, and I would say, you know, if he doesn't want to do my cake, I'll go get my cake somewhere, somewhere else. Somewhere else. Absolutely. You know, even with me, he, I don't know if you know this, he also doesn't make Halloween cakes. He sells no Halloween-themed stuff. He, doesn't, he won't make a pumpkin thing sure. in October. That's a pagan holiday. Because I, that's how he is. Yeah. For me, I go, man, that's, I don't know, man. Yeah. You, your conscience might be a little too sensitive. Yeah. You know? But that is his conscience. Sure. And so I would never go to him and say, hey, man, I'd love for you to make some of this I don't know. I want some pretzels that look like skeletons or something. Yeah. You know, just you do your thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to get freedom, fr- freedom for the most people. Sure. Right? I, and I, I see where you're coming from. And I, I, I didn't uh, look at it that way totally. Uh, so I think you, I think you bring up a good point. Well, now, moving on here then is to uh, this week. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead for the audience of those that are listening live on Saturday. We got together Tuesday night, a big day in the Trump administration and the Mueller investigation, within a matter of hours, Steve Cohen, the president's former lawyer, was, I guess he had a plea deal, um, and then Paul Manafort was found guilty of at least six or seven counts of things. Uh, so let's just start on the, on the Russia thing. What's your general opinion of the Mueller probe and what's going on with the Russia probe? Uh, with the Russia probe, I'm a, uh, I agree with Trey Gowdy on that. If you're not guilty, let the heavens rain down with the evidence. You know, and uh, I, the folks that are getting tired of it, and I hate a what about argument, but, uh, you know, the uh, Clinton Benghazi thing went on for much longer and nothing came of it, basically. The people that didn't like Hillary, she was a flawed candidate, uh, still didn't like her when it was over. Yeah. And, and I think it was more of a political thing, but uh, because nothing seemed to come of it. And then uh, not long after that, after the new administration took place, took over, then you had the uh, ambush in Niger and no one said anything about it. Yeah. So I think that was definitely politics, but um, uh, I just say let it play out. Uh, I was listening to uh, your friend Josh coming in, uh, who's a good guy, but he was making the point that um, uh, just because Cohen pled guilty to campaign finance law violations didn't mean he had done it because it hadn't been adjudicated. That's not true. I mean, if the guy pled guilty, uh, I, I would say he's as guilty as he can be. Josh said in his comments, now to his credit, he came back and tried to clarify some things. So I, I appreciate him doing that. But in his comments, he said that Trump reimbursed Cohen. He did, yeah. the full amount. Yeah. Uh, did he? I mean, where, uh, yeah, that's what I never saw. I never saw yeah, where he. I did. Um, that was reported, I think. Actually, I mentioned NBC. I think it was an NBC thing. Uh, that he re- reimbursed him, but I, st- I don't know if that violates campaign finance law. I know that I know that that kind of behavior is bad behavior. But here's what I know about our laws: yeah. sometimes things that are totally immoral and unethical are still legal. Mm-hmm. That's a, a problem in American law. Yeah, right. And so what what the Trump uh, what this Trump what I've noticed from Trump people is a lot of them are bad people. The, the folks he has surrounded him, Manafort's a, is a terrible guy. Oh, I know. Cohen's a terrible guy. Here's where I've landed a lot on the Russia stuff. You, you pick this apart. You tell me if you think sure. I'm wrong. Ultimately, I don't think Donald Trump is sophisticated enough to collude. I don't think he, he thinks I don't think he thinks strategically enough to ever have colluded. So I think he won the election fair and square. I don't think the Russians had anything to do with it. 
after the fact, and I think we would have found out by now if the Russians had any effect, obstruction of justice, he's getting dangerously close to doing that. What he should do is shut up. That's all he should do. Let Mueller do his work. Yep. And then at the end, uh, I think he, he would be totally uh, exonerated from any guilt regarding Russia. And all we would see is just bad behavior. We would just yeah. see you behave badly, but you didn't do anything illegal. Yeah, I, I I would uh, take a little bit of issue with that. I think he uh, I think he's guilty of sin, and I uh, probably, but I you know we can't say guilt or not because the, the findings of Mueller haven't come out yet. The other thing is, um, uh, you know, the thing that drives Trump crazy because he's a bully mentality, and we've all dealt with bullies in our life. But if you just say nothing and walk away drives them crazy. Now, Mueller hasn't come out and said anything, and Trump is exploding. They say inside the White House, he's he's on a different level of explosion, and, and he deserves to be. I mean, if he, I guess one of the things that I suspect, the reason I suspect something is because, number one, he'll never speak ill of Vladimir Putin. That is weird. Yeah. The other thing is he's constantly trying to get the sanctions rolled back. Uh, he tried to do some things at the Republican on the Republican plank that uh, helped him or helped Putin. He backed Putin's position on Crimea, and you know where does that come from? You know how much I don't like this president, right? Yeah. You've noticed. Oh yeah. So this puts me in a weird position. Of what I'm about to say. Sure. I th I think the, I don't know about Trump personally. I do know that there's enough anti anti Russia action. To, to respond to that. Like, sure. we've, we've actually killed some Russians in Syria. We, we actually went and fought them uh, sure. on the ground. Uh, there's been other sanctions imposed on some of the Russian oligarchs. So I think he has at least an argument to come out and say, for whatever reason, he won't say anything bad about Putin, but I've been hard on Russia. I think he can say that yeah. you know, with some fair, fairness. Now, you said he's guilty of sin. Do you think he's guilty of collusion, obstruction of justice, or both? Probably both. The reason I say that, and I think you're right, he's not sophisticated enough to do it. The problem with his lack of sophistication is he doesn't know when he broke the law. But, you know, when he came out and said, please, Russia, get all the emails for me. That was bad. And there was massive activity the day after. So, and the meeting, you know, we've heard between he and Giuliani, we've heard probably a dozen different versions that constantly upgrade. Trump doesn't realize it, but he's put out a written record for the whole world to see on what his stories are. And he, he continually changes them. I don't know that he thinks he did anything wrong. The thing that I don't understand is uh, how Republicans can say, yeah, it's okay. Now, these same Republicans would have jumped all over Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama for any contact with Russia. Yeah, I would uh, say I'm a pox on both their houses on that. There's yeah. a character in Romeo and Juliet who says that, of the Montagues and the, the other family in Romeo and Juliet. He says on both of them, pox on both their houses. Yeah. And so without question, Republicans would attack Obama or Hillary if this oh, were yeah. the question. And they did. I mean, when Obama yeah. whispers to oh, yeah. Medvedev, yeah. you know, yeah. I have a lot more flexibility after my second election. He got attacked, Obama got attacked, and it was just, it was right. Yeah, I agree. And it, both sides are like that. When sure. it's my team and my team did it, it's okay. Yeah. But when the other team did it, it's a terrible thing that they've done. Oh, yeah. So I, I got to like, hit this one Russia thing one, on one more item. Sure. So collusion, by definition, I actually don't think it's a crime, but one. I think it's unethical, it's wrong to coordinate with another government. I don't think it's actually illegal. If he did anything there, it's not an illegal act. But when you say collusion, what do you mean? Like, what do you think the Trump or Trump people did with a Russian official? Like, this is the thing they did and they shouldn't have done it. I think the meeting at Trump Tower, uh, 
what they should have done is contact the FBI. That's what That's most true. politicians would have done. They took the meeting. They didn't take. They lied about the meeting. It has already, you know, basically been proven that they lied. Uh, Donald Jr. is probably the one that's most gullible. Although uh, I think it's been uh, already revealed that his dad is the one that actually released the memo. So uh, I think. Uh, to get dirt is probably more of a conspiracy than collusion, I think. Uh, but the thing that, you know, I go one step further and uh, you look at um, uh, what he actually did is uh, get with an adversary of our country uh, to uh, help him in a poli political race. I would wonder if you would criticize the left on this. Because in 2012, Mitt Romney said to Barack Obama, the, the biggest geopolitical enemy we have is Russia. Barack Obama said to Mitt Romney, the 1980s called and they want their foreign policy back. And the left mocked Mitt Romney mercilessly for mm -hmm. that. And now the folks on the left believe Russia is an actual enemy. Do you yeah. see some hypocrisy in that from them? Out of nowhere, they think Russia's a problem? I do, and I remember when that happened, and I remember uh, thinking, you know what Barack Obama also said was our biggest enemy is cyber attacks. Yeah, he yeah. said. Yeah, our, our, he did say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and but Russia was absolutely, and and it's amazing to me how all of a sudden uh, we're uh, we're protecting Russia. I don't get it. Uh, the whisper, I, I I'm I'm definitely down with you there. Even though I would I would probably uh, uh, think Obama did the right thing, but he should have he should have never said it. He he needed to pass that on until after an election it was very close and he knew that was not going to be viewed right the uh but the thing that the same guys that will criticize obama for that think there's nothing wrong with a two-hour private meeting with putin oh yeah when he was yeah, over in Helensky. exactly okay. i got a couple more thoughts on that and okay. then i have um, some other general things we're going to get to when we come back to finish this conversation with mr kevin henson come up come back for the final segment of the Corey Act show the final segment of the Corey Truax Show for this week. We are having one of those conversations you like for me to have with people with whom I disagree. We're doing that with Mr. Kevin Henson. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Corey. Glad it's great to, to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, my last thought on the... Oh, yeah, my last thought on the Russia thing, and then I want to move on, was that meeting in Trump Tower... Uh, I, I'm, not I'm not troubled by it. I think it's, again, unethical. I don't think it was illegal. Uh, the, the part that bothers me is... There were tweets when it was first talked about that was, we were talking about adoption. Yeah. That was the tweet. Uh -huh. And then there was recently a tweet that was, well, of course, if there's dirt out there, I want it. And it was, I thought you said it was about adoption. <laughs> I, I, tw Twitter has history, man. I can look back to stuff you previously said. Yeah. I'm otherwise not bothered by it. And I'm going to give a prediction here. And then we'll, you have the last thoughts on Russia and we'll move on. Okay. Um, so my prediction is, I don't think anything comes out of the Mueller probe. I think it ends with, we found some people that are connected to Donald Trump that did other bad things, not connected to Russia, not connected to obstruction, that we have strong suspicion that there was some kind of collusion or conspiracy, but no proof of it. End of, uh, end of investigation. That's where I think we're going to end. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to end up uh, being an impeachment of a president. I don't think he's going to. I think Trump, if you read his book and even Ivanka's book, uh, 
she says uh, slanting the truth is basically okay. Spin that truth to your, you know, that we did, before Trump, we never had fake news, alternative truths, and now we have truth is a truth. So he'll be able to spin it. He'll survive it because his base is strong enough. Uh, but uh, I, I think there'll be some... Um, a lot, you know, what are there, 19 indictments that have come out already? I think so. And a couple of guilty pleas and a couple of plea deals. Uh, I think there will be something. I had a bet with a uh, friend of mine that if Trump made it through 2018, I would buy him lunch. And if he didn't, he would buy me lunch. Good deal. I think I'm probably going to lose that. I agree. <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't realize that Trump could be so blatantly resilient uh, in the face uh, – I don't think anybody could conceive that that guy could lie the way he lies. And he lies about things that he don't have to lie about, you know, things that are so easily um, discoverable by the other guys. I'll give you one on that. And I guess you know, you're correct to call it lies. I am given to say it's sometimes exaggerations because I don't think his intent is deceit. It's just he says, he just says things. I think I've, this is my, uh, one of my jokes on his head, headstone, it's going to say, Donald, Donald Trump, 45th President of the United States, he said many things. Because <laughs> that's just what he does. He just says a lot of words. I'll give you one example of this. He was um, on, during the campaign, he was on the phone with the Today Show. And so that was, Matt Lauer was on the phone. And he broke a story. Like he told Matt Lauer, he said, you know, this is the first time I'm saying this to somebody. And he said it to Matt Lauer. 13 minutes later, he was on the phone with Good Morning America. He said the exact same thing. <laughs> and, is that a lie that matters? Yeah. No, it didn't affect yeah. anything. But it's just part of the DNA is showmanship. Part yep. of the DNA is exaggeration, which will then lead you to sometimes to just say things that are untrue. Yeah. If you're, if you're self-important, you're, you're willing to say things that are not the truth yeah. for your own protection. This is why I wanted to have Ted Cruz as president. This is why I liked Rand Paul. You know, these, this is the goal mm -hmm. in the end. All right, so i got to ask you this question. Okay. How does a guy who grows up in Greenville, South Carolina, grow up a progressive? How on earth did this happen? I think uh, if I look back, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever been this way. I mean, I've always been this way because I grew up in a good Southern Baptist church, and I grew up with nothing but conservatives around me, very devout Southern Baptist, uh, strong women in my family especially. My dad was a gospel singer, a great guy he's passed on about 15 years ago so i don't know i think one thing uh one uh thing that stuck out to me is when i was a kid i remember distinctly when uh desegregation occurred and yeah. i remember the black kids on the bus i was on they were picked on unmercifully. And I mean, picked on, you know, there was a bully that I grew up with that beat everybody up. This guy was like, he was the size of a 50-year-old in the fourth grade. He was just a bully. Uh, he's had a sad story, I think. Uh, I kept up with him. And for some reason, I, I don't know why, I think I, I may have went to church with him, and he just never picked on me. But he beat the snot out of everybody else, and he, he was bullied to me, but he didn't ever beat me up but I remember how unmercifully those guys went after those black kids and I just I think that may have started the seed of you know your heart's got to go out to the oppressed uh one of my favorite guys is Robert F. Kennedy I was never a big fan of John F. Kennedy but Robert Kennedy was a guy from uh influence and and a lot of wealth and he went into rural Mississippi 
uh, and I remember reading this, that uh, when he got back from Mississippi and he, he went out to see abject poverty of Mississippi, which was everywhere, he came in and, and the Kennedy clan normally had dinner together. Uh, they said when he walked back in from that trip, he looked at his kids and he said, don't ever forget how fortunate you are to even have a meal. And he walked away. Wow. I mean, that's a guy that had, uh, and, and I grew up in an era where Martin Luther King was hated. I mean, he was hated. They didn't, they didn't have any use for the guy. Uh, history has shown that, uh, you know, God bless him. He and Gandhi, uh, you know, that peaceful uh, nonviolence, uh, unfortunately, didn't apply to him. He got killed. Right. So it, I, I guess in, in a short way, I, I just, uh, and, you know, I hate to say this, but I was, I had a secular education. I think that helped. I went to a college that was not a, a you know, necessarily a Christian college, and, and I just got away from it. I started, I have a curiosity about me, and if someone says something, I say, I want to check that out. So this is where you and I are similar. Yeah. I, we agree on, we, we, I guess we come at things yeah. from very different places and come to different conclusions. But we ha have curiosity. I think it is the single uh, most important quality that Americans are missing right now. W they hear something they don't agree with or don't like, and uh, as I talked about at the beginning of the show, they freak out. Mm -hmm. They are physically uncomfortable at hearing a thing they disagree with because they're not curious. And this used to be an American thing. We're curious people. That's mm -hmm. how, that's why we were curious. Hey, what's out West? Yeah. We were curious. Where's the end of this thing? And yeah. so we were, we're supposed to be the pioneers, not just of land, but pioneers of thought. Yeah. We think new things. Well, here's how I became a conservative. Um, and I, I think I've even developed a little differently, uh, especially the last, the last three years have been very formative for me because I realized how sort of alone I was. Mm -hmm. There's very few of me, very few of me who, are really dedicated to thoughts and principles and ideas and not parties and personalities. Uh, so I didn't think of political thought. I was into professional wrestling when I was a when I was in my early teens. Like I was into The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I had a wrestling ring built outside my I jumped off of my house on the mattresses. Like I was into that stuff. Oh my heavens. And 9/11 happened. And I was confused by it. That's my primary emotion. I was not even I, mean, I hate to say it, I wasn't even all that sad. I wasn't scared. I was confused. What is happening? And it, it brought me into a deep dive into reading. And then I'm riding around with my dad, and I hear Russ Castle on WRD. And if you, you remember the voice of the upstate, Russ Castle? Yeah. Yeah, he was on all kinds of radio growing up here in Greenville. Oh, yeah. And then he I was started, a rocker back in the day. Right, he did music. He <laughs> yeah. wasn't he, the talk radio guy. Yeah. And just started reading. And I'm talking, I read the old stuff. I read Machiavelli. I, I read Aristotle. I read Plato. And where I landed was, you know what's good for people? Freedom. That's the best thing when people are free. Now, sometimes they use their freedom to hurt people. And so we're going to need to institute governments. And so then I really got into the founders hardcore. And the founders brought me this idea that if, if, we, have, uh, if we have freedom with a, with a decent people, so decent moral people, if you give them freedom, it's going to be the best situation for humans. And I... I look at leftism, and I say, I don't think they believe that. I think they think uh, freedom is not good often. Freedom is actually the thing that's going to allow people to hurt other people, and so we restrict freedom. And so I landed on conservatism because 9-11 happens. It gets me reading like crazy, and I come to the conclusion from the founders, find a way to make people free. And if you will also inc inculcate virtue, then you can, ha you can be a happy and free people. And that's, I don't know if you even call that conservatism anymore. 
Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I I'm not sure I understand it either. But I do see uh, the the problems from the left are they seem to just be a crowd that likes to complain all the time. Yeah. And, and you know they don't have a good idea. I mean, I, that's why I tell you I voted Republican 75 percent of the time is there's not a good choice out there. Hillary Clinton, even though I, I did prefer her over Trump, was a flawed candidate, big time. Oh yeah. Part of it is just she's been around too long, yes. go away. And uh, so, and, and plus she just had too many skeletons at that point. Uh, but yeah, and I see, you know, the other problem with, I think the left is uh, lack of ideas and the people that are mired in poverty and all have a responsibility too that somehow they're not getting. You know, you everybody can dig out. The percentages are horribly not in your favor. Yeah. You know, you're gonna you're 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 gonna have to fight hard. And unfortunately, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that poverty begets poverty. Yeah. You know, you get a uh, the 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 and I blame men more than women. I love women leaders, but men seem to you know they they're fine to have three or four children out there that they don't ever have to fund. Yep. And and, and so that's part of. And that's it. what I'm talking about with inculcating virtue. Yeah. And so we have now because we're no longer a good people, a virtuous people. We started to lose liberties because we can't handle them. We weren't we aren't good enough for freedom. You know, when when it's probably an apocryphal story. It, it probably didn't happen, but it, the whole the whole story on the old story on Ben Franklin at Freedom Hall in Philadelphia. He comes down on the steps in the summer of 1787. They write the Constitution, and a woman asks, "What kind of government have you given us, Mr. Franklin?" And he says, "I gave we've given you a republic if you can keep it." Yeah. And the if you can keep it is if you can behave yourself. Yeah. If you can can you handle being free. And so just some of the old school stuff. If you get a woman pregnant, you marry her and you take care of that child. That's an insane thought now, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we are so backward morally that we can't handle freedom anymore. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the things I'm trying to do is get folks to, hey, behave. This is part of the Christian message is yeah. if we can be a decent people, we can be a free people. We've lo we're losing freedom because we're losing decency. Yeah, I think, I think you're, you're spot on there. I think... Uh, unfortunately, we have the, uh, and I blame men more than women, but women are just as, just as bad. But it's just because I'm a man, I see our yeah. problems. But uh, you know, if you could put a a, a 32 year old brain on an 18 year old body, you'd make a lot different decisions. Yeah. And and is so, it youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. That's the I, phrase. Yeah. After we get off here, I'll sing you a song about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is so it is so true. You know, oh, absolutely. All, all the energy and vitality. And go, that's when you're you know the girls are are, you know, if they're ever going to be promiscuous, that's it. And we so as we. We'll kind of close up this conversation. Yeah. I would love to know about your optimism versus pessimism. Because I'm an eternally optimistic person. I tend to be that way. But I look out at my culture. I look out at my countrymen. I'm discouraged. Yeah. I feel like we're broken, and I don't know how to fix us. Because I, <laughs> when I look at the news, none of the actual problems are on the news. The real problems are inside of us. Yeah. And we, are, we are broken, and so we're doing broken things. We're, cho we're choosing broken leaders. Are you optimistic for the United States? I am, but I'm impatient. I'm very optimistic because, you know, I know Gandhi, uh, and I'm a, a big Gandhi fan, uh, he, he always said that in the end, good will win. Now, it's hard to believe because you see people like Trump that never seem to have to face the consequences. But, you know, you don't get out of here alive, and, and he is going to have to face 
some bad things. I, you know, the guy personally just seems to always get the girl, have the money. Kids are perfect, but but the reality is that he he cannot get away with what he's getting away with forever. Now he may walk away and not appear to have scars on him. He's already lost what he wanted most, which is admiration and and to be, you know, the big man that fixed everything. So this being a primary Christian audience, let sure. me say something to the primary Christian audience that especially listens on Christian Talk 660. That thought about leaders who get to to go off into the sunset not having been punished, this is not just Trump. No. I, I think about this worldwide and throughout history. Sure. This is part of the Christian worldview is we never worry about that, right, guys? Like we get to, uh, we, we get to know that there's judgment and justice ultimately. Yeah. That's part of the Christian worldview is we believe that's going to take place. Um uh, any other items on the we have two minutes left? Any other items on the agenda that you had walking in the door today? Uh, you know, you've covered it well, and I so appreciate that you would uh, take the time to listen to me. And it's been a great conversation. I respect you maybe think about things a little different. Yeah. And so I think well, it's been a well, great success. I agree, because one of the reasons I like to do this is that we are we will have talked for fifty minutes. We said things that were not the they were the opposite of each other, and we're fine. Sure. Like you heard things you disagreed with, and yeah. I heard things I disagreed with, and neither one of us exploded, guys, and everyone's happy, yeah. and we're going to go home to our families, and these are the conversations I think if we are going to be optimistic for the future, Americans have to have these. Absolutely. And they're the only ones we don't have, because yeah. we get on social media, we just yell at each other, yep. we're all just mad at each other. Oh, yeah, and it always comes across that way. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, this has been a mistake I've made in the past. I have, too. And so I know that I have been part of the problem in breaking the discourse I did a lot of that when I was younger. I'm maturing. <laughs> as much as I can, I would love to be part of of curing the discourse, yeah. right, and making yep. it better. Absolutely. Oh, uh, since we have less than one minute left, one more prediction. Uh, who takes the House of Representatives in November? Who you got? I think it's the uh, uh, Democrats. Okay, so uh, I'll bet you lunch on this one. Okay. I, I think Republicans win that keep the House okay. by a sliver. Okay. So uh, if, I, if I'm right... Uh, you buy me lunch? Okay. Well, you've already, already bought me breakfast. Thanks well, for that. Well, but I, I, you know, if you'll have lunch with me, it'll, it'll, uh, you know, who, one of us is going to have the crowing rights. So yeah, <laughs> it, it'll, it'll be a good time either way. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this, Mr. Henson. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, Corey. You're you, a good man. You can get the show on demand. You can share it with anybody you want when it's out there on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcast at CoreyTruax.com. I hope you will share it. I'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. We'll return to sports talk like we always do and just see what's been going on in the news and what we can learn from it. Again, the show on demand, CoreyTruex.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Anchor. Get the show there, and we'll be back, we will be back next Saturday morning at 8.05 for the next edition of the Corey Truax Show. Until then, until next time, everybody, peace and love.